Isa, Deacon, Deacon, Jeff Rosignol. It's a fine blend of discipleship and entertainment. Truth is here. Oh, good morning, Father. Please get me out of your way that your truths would be lifted up and through the power of the Holy Spirit we would understand your words and obey your words to your glory, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, something very cool happened back in 1517. Martin Luther, who was a uh, priest at the time, I think it was done his priesthood, but a pastor and a professor, um, had some issues with what he was seeing in the Catholic Church in the days. So he went up to um, a church door, I think in Wittenberg, and he put his 95 arguments, or the 95 thesis, he nailed it to the church door saying, hey... We got some issues, and when he did that, it wasn't to start a change, as in a reformation, it was to challenge the church. He didn't want to break off from the Catholic Church, he wanted to get things cleaned up within it. It wasn't his goal to create such a massive controversy. But you know how college students can be back in the day. They took that down, they translated it to the common German, because it was originally written in Latin, and then they there was a fancy new technology back then, and you know how young people in their technology is, that Gutenberg printing press. And they translated it to German, and then oh, those kids are always doing things. And then they spread it all around. So it became it became a bigger issue beyond what's original intent was. And that was the beginning of the Reformation. And that's why um, October 31st, 1517, next year will be the 500th year of it, where things change. And it's because of this act is why we're not all down the streets at the Catholic Church Mission. It's because of this activity. Now, we're going to talk about five things. This is, this is a big battle, and this was central to Christian history. Battling for scriptural truth in the midst of religion. All right, And it doesn't just... It, this, this happened to be within Catholic history and Protestant history, but even nowadays there are Protestant churches in this town that don't believe in these five solas, and their theology is, is based off the same theology as Catholicism. And so we're going to look at that, and I think you'll recognize it as we go. But it, what came out of the 16th century is something called the five solas. And sola is Latin. Have you ever sung a solo? Right? And, uh, or a person who flies a plane for the first time alone, they solo flight. That's where we get the word sola. And there's these five things that mean alone, above and beyond everything else. And here's what they are. Sola gratia, which I'm going to totally destroy the Latin, so have mercy on me, which means grace alone, sola fide, faith alone, sola Christus, Christ alone, sola de gloria, glory to God alone, and sola scriptura, scripture alone. This is the pillars, the bulwark of... Uh, Protestant theology. 
Now, if you're in this sitting in this church, you're a Protestant. Now, Protestant, let's unpack this a little bit. Protestant means you're protesting. Did you know you're protesting by being here today? I am. Where's my signs? No, no, right? Um, it means you're protesting against Catholicism and how they've gone off track. That's why you're called a Protestant. Um, when we were, a couple of weeks ago, we went to a Civil War reenactment. Sundays they have a Catholic service and a Protestant service. All right? That's where the root word comes from. And um, here's the battle lines. Here's where this all engages. There's an issue of authority. And henceforth, authority, the theology of salvation. Synergy versus monergy. All right? We're going to unpack these. They're all connected, even though we're going to try to do it in order. It's all, they're all connected. They all connect to each other. So it's hard to talk about one without talking about the other. But these are very important. So let's take a, a deeper look here. The goal of the world is simple. Let's start with the simple stuff. It's all about Jesus Christ. All right? History is his story. All right? The whole world, not only the scriptures, but the universe is created for Jesus. All right? So let's look at this. Anything but Jesus Christ. Pagan religions, secular humanism is anything but Jesus. Or Jesus Christ plus fill in the blank equals salvation. Literally, you can go to the Augusta Church of Christ website and there it'll be right on that website will say Jesus Christ plus baptism plus their uh, their communion plus those equals salvation. They just keep adding on. The moment you go Jesus Christ plus, you have left the gospel. All right, we don't want to go there. Jesus Christ plus nothing equals salvation. Salvation is 100% a work of God. And from that we get cults, heresies, TBN, Trinity Broadcasting Network, prosperity preachers. All right, that's a plug. I'm just just to punch on them a little bit. All because of this because it's always it's always about Jesus Christ. So let's unpack this. Let's look at the first one. Sola Scriptura. This is very important. Scripture alone. All right? There's an ACDC song. Who made who? Right? From you from the 80s or 70s. Um, the argument is, with Catholicism, if the church made the scripture, then the church has the authority. And the Protestant would say, well, the scripture made the church, then God's word has the final authority. At the end of the day, if a, if a human organization, like the Catholic Church in this case, said, no, we, we picked what books would go in the New Testament, the church has the final authority because they picked. And a Protestant would say, the, the, the books picked themselves. And you, you know, the, the Christians at the time acknowledged, there's Peter acknowledging Paul, there's Paul acknowledging Peter, that we, we don't have any authority. Those books declare their own authority. All right? And that's the big argument. But if the church made the scriptures and the church has more authority than the scriptures, then even though Jesus says, I'm the only way, that, you know, the truth and the life, no man comes to the Father but by me and Mary and the uh, saints. You know, then the church can say anything they want, add it to the scripture, and the church defaults the scripture. 
And that's exactly what they do nowadays. But they changed the term. If you were to say, they don't worship Mary, a a real uh, educated Catholic will tell you they don't worship Mary, they venerate her, which is a subtle twist on the same term of worship. All right? Because, anyway, I don't want to go detail now. I want to stick to things. So who made who? Written word inspired by the Holy Spirit. So here's Second Peter, the Catholic's first pope, is Peter. And here's the authority of authorities of authorities for both parties. Here's what he says in Second Peter 1, 19 through 21. And we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the, su- till the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man. But men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. The source of the very written word is the Holy Spirit, not man, not the will of man, and not any church councils. So, even as Peter's writing how he got the scriptures, the Holy Spirit is leading him to write this. It's breathed out. By the Holy Spirit. That's what inspiration means, alright? This is where it comes from. If the canon, a uh, month ago we talked about why is the canon closed? Why are there not more books being written? Be, well, it, there's no more apostles. There's no more Peters and Pauls around to write them. But in this case, the, where the argument gets slippery is if the church has authority over the, the, um, these words here from even the first pope or the first leader of the church, then the next leader can say something totally contradictory to this, and you have to yield with what's current versus what's now. And that's all through. When a man decides to add to the word of God, you get heresy all right, and cults. So 2 Timothy 3.16 and 17, all scripture is breathed out, there's your inspiration, by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Scripture is given that a final authority. In our charismatic brothers and sisters' churches, they might come up, the Spirit led me to do such and such. Well, if the Spirit's leading does not align with what is written in the Scripture, it wasn't the Holy Spirit leading. All right, So you've got to be careful for extra signs and wonders. And, you know, I, I've, it's, it'd be nice if we had omens, so to speak. That's the wrong thing. It wouldn't be nice if we had omens. But we want omens. We want things like you want to be outside, you know, and you're driving your car and you see that bald eagle fly over soaring. And it's like, that's a good omen. God, we're going to fly on wings like eagles, like Isaiah said. And and we're looking for signs that God's blessing what we're doing. Here's your sign. Read your Bible. All right. There's your omen. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching. There's your omen, there's your sign. We want to make sure we don't look for any other source. You know, uh, 
If you want to know God made it, sure. You can look at a leaf. You can look at God's creation and worship God. That's okay. But don't look for signs and wonders and miraculous things. If you want to see something crazy awesome, read your Bible faithfully. Concerning divisions in the church... Paul's writings about divisions, these are people, well, I'm for Paul, and I'm for Apollos, and I'm for this, and I'm for that. And Paul's like, whoa, we're all here preaching Christ. Stop getting Team Paul and Team Apollos. That doesn't exist. And in part of that, in 1 Corinthians 4, 6, Paul writes, I've applied all these things to myself and Apollos for your benefit, brothers, that you may learn by us not to go beyond what is written that none of you may be puffed up in favor of one against another. All right? And uh, there's a lot of false prophets and apostles and teachers out there. And, uh, well, I've got the gift of prophecy, and I've got the gift of apostleship. And, boy, they love tooting their own horns, right? And they've gone way beyond what the Scripture has provided for guidance. So Scripture is the final thing. And that directs us, the the Latin is ad fonte, back to the source. Alright? Sola Christus, in Christ alone. Again, remember, it's all about Jesus Christ. Are you adding to Jesus Christ, or are you taking away from Jesus Christ? But it's always and only Jesus who's the mediator. He's the penal substitutionary atonement. You should all know what this means. Punishment. He's substituting himself of God's punishment to atone for, you know, that he's the atonement of God's wrath to stop God from killing us dead in our tracks. It's Jesus. He's our substitute lamb and he's taking our punishment. No one else did that. Muhammad did not do that. There's no work or you and I can do that can add to that, nor sin that we could do to take away from that. It's all about that. That's why it's Jesus Christ alone. And we need to make sure that when someone says, why should you go to heaven? Because Jesus Christ paid my fine. He paid my sin. I deserve God's wrath, but Jesus took it for me. A Christian's the first person in the room to say that. John 14, 5-7, Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, Allah is a good way. Being nice is a good way. Is that what Jesus said? He said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would know, you, uh, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Jesus is making that claim. Now let's look at the exclusiveness. Jesus says, I am the way. I am the truth and the life. What I want you to notice is the. He's, when you put the in front of it, you're the definitive, single, individual, it. The way, the truth, the life. And then he has a universal negative. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is saying, I'm it. That's it. Did God 
have to save any one of us? Did he have to give us one way to go to heaven? No. People are upset that God didn't give us a million ways to go to heaven or just blow off Jesus, use him as a swear word and forget all about it. Right? We're still going to go. Universalism is that. And Jesus said, this is it. And this is all there is. And boy, it's amazing. So, let's move on. 1 Timothy 2, 5 and 6. For there is one God and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. All right? One mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. And think of all the people who think they're good and they've done a good job or... You know, even even my dad had a medallion that stuck to his dashboard of one of his patron saints that he could pray to to give him guidance over certain issues of his life. All right? Except the scripture says there's only one mediator. And it ain't a saint. And by the way, the Bible calls anyone who's yielded to Christ a saint. Right? So that that would mean us. You know, but who's going to out there and say, yeah, I'm a saint. Post that on your Facebook this week and see how people respond to you. Right? <laughs> well, I didn't edit this. Grace alone. God giving us what we don't deserve and thus unmerited grace. To me, unmerited grace is redundant. Grace by definition is unmerited. Okay? Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. For by grace... You have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Isn't that amazing, the plan God has for you? You know, we shouldn't have self-esteem. We should definitely have God-esteem. But when you have God-esteem, we are His workmanship. God has worked us. We're His design for His plan that He scheduled in advance. That should give you hope. But we're emphasizing grace. Of course, grace by definition is giving us something we don't deserve. Right? Amazing grace. God saved me despite me, not because of me. Alright? Psalm 14, 2 and 3. The Lord looks down from heaven on the children of man to see if there are any who understand, who seek after God. They have all turned aside. Together they have become corrupt. There is none who does good, not even one. So I'm smarter than God because uh, if God's so good, you know, do, does what bad things happen to good people? Why do bad things happen to good people? Right? Does the scripture have an answer for that? Yeah. Show me a good person. Right? All humanity is corrupt. Then no one's looking for God. Nobody. So grace is God going, Bing! I want God. 
Yeah, I can dig it. Right? That's why you're here going, I want God and your neighbor's not. Because of grace. God saved me despite me, not because of me. All right? Paul reveals how grace works in 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10. But he said to me, now this is Paul talking about his sin. He had a thorn in his side, a messenger of Satan, he called it, constantly bugging him. And and Paul's like, you know, God, I'm serving you. I'm pouring it all out for you. And I still got this thing bugging me. We don't know what it is, but it's some sort of sin that needs the grace of God. Right? And he's like, can't you get rid of it? And here's God's answer to him. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly in my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Isn't that cool? That's what grace does. Grace says, when the devil says, you know, you you really messed up this week. You are a lousy sinner, right? And the world and some of your old friends are going to come along and remind you of that. And here's your answer. God's grace is sufficient for even me. And that that sin was paid for before I was even created. Sola fide, faith alone. Romans 5, 1 and 2. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. All right, amazing stuff here. I just want to make sure I don't get ahead of myself. All right, justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Having obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. You see how that chain works? We stand by grace through faith through Christ. Alright? Not by good works. Not by I came forward. Not by I did the hokey pokey. But by this faith. Right? We're going to look at faith in just a moment. Mm, yeah, next slide, actually. Let's just do that. Okay. Romans twelve three, You did not create faith. God gives you faith. Because if we say, well, if we create faith, we hear the gospel, and then in us we go, I'm going to believe, I'm going to believe, I'm going to believe. And somewhere inside of us, we're going to believe, right? Uh, well, then that would be a work, and that would be an inherited goodness within us. And no human has any inherited goodness in them. We are dead in our sins and trespasses. So God has to even give us the faith to believe. Here's the words, here's the gospel, here's an evangelist street, you know, preaching in the street, and the Holy Spirit comes along, pours that faith, the heart looks up and goes, that makes sense! Give me some of that! While your neighbor goes, boy, what a loud, mean person. I didn't like the way he shared that. I'm gone! Right? And you're going, but, 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 but he's right! 
Right? Here it is, Romans 12.3. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. That's pretty kaboom, right? And look at this. this. This puts us, when we think of God's grace, we end up looking in sober judgment on ourselves, but we get to worship with joy because it's a work of God. It's a work of grace. It's a work of faith. And every one of these, God gets the glory. We look at the evidence, the fingerprints of Christ on our soul. Two disciples asked Jesus for more faith. Luke 17, 5 and 16. The apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. And the Lord said, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it would obey you. All right. I always like to challenge Jesus on this because I'm like, really? Come on, I want that much faith. Matter of fact, there's another verse where he says, say to this mountain, move. And I guess it must be a hyperbole, unfortunately. But yeah, I want that kind of faith. I want that faith that I can move forward and with, you know, despite the fear, encourage and do what's right all the time. Do what's right, obeying my Savior. But they know where the source of faith comes from. So if you have trouble believing something, uh, one other thing I want to mention about this is they knew where to go. See, you can't have faith without knowledge. There's no such thing as blind faith. Well, why do you believe that? Oh, I just do. Well, then you're a moron. Because God tells us what to have faith in. God tells us. So the apostles are saying that Jesus increase our faith. It isn't just a magic whoosh. It's when we read the scriptures and it gives us something to believe in. That's how faith works. Thus, sola scriptura. Mark 9, 23 and 24. And Jesus said to him, If you can... Oh, yeah, let me put this in context. So this father has a son who's mute and deaf and has a spirit that drives the kid. He has seizures. He throws himself into fire and water and all this bad stuff. And he goes to Jesus and says, If you can, you can heal my son. And Jesus is like, If you can, all things are possible for one who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe. Help my unbelief. All right, And what an excellent prayer for us. To increase our faith, go to God and say, Help my unbelief, and then get your nose in the multitude of free Bibles that will read to you, sing to you, animate to you, and do everything to you. And we're like, I just can't find time to get in the Word of God. We're not finding time to get in the Word of God because we don't care. You do what you care to do. Let's move on. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, that's the fall of faith, let us also lay aside every weight and sin 
which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. All right. The highlighted part is the highlighted part, the founder and perfecter of our faith. And just so you know, just in case you misread this, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. He, the joy was not the cross, it was what was coming after the cross. For the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. And here's the joy, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God for us. All right, I believe this is the last one of the five. Sola de gloria, the glory of God alone. Glory means this. Here's a definition from dictionary.com. Very great praise, honor, or distinction bestowed by common consent. An example to win the glory of the field of battle. Or something that is a source of honor, fame, or admiration. And... Uh, you know, like a sonnet from a poem or something, and then adorning praise and worshipful thanksgiving, giving glory to God, or resplendent beauty or magnificence. All of these fit well for the glory of God as a definition. They all are perfect to give glory to God. So here's how you know if your theology is heading the wrong way. Um, If you're talking about your salvation and you say, when I... Did the hokey pokey turn myself around? Then God said, I like you. All right? You already know you're off base. Or when you say, but then I walked forward. Okay? Now, it's not, we want you to walk forward. We want you to do those things. But the walking didn't save you. It's not the prayer card that saved you. Right? It's not the sinner's prayer. That saved you. There's a lot of VBS kids that are grown-ups that's got the sinner's prayer and they couldn't tell you nothing about God nor show any evidence of a changed heart. All right, And then there are those who were changed and are in agony because they're not where they belong. But, or I'm so thankful that I knew better and came to Christ. Alright? The moment we start going down that path, who's getting the glory? Me and my awesomeness getting some glory. God clearly saw how amazing I am and said, you're with me, buddy. Right? Is that our salvation testimony? No. It should be when God saw me, a loser, couldn't make a right choice if it was tattooed on my forehead... He saved me, despite me. In God's mercy, I deserved His punishment. He didn't give it to me. Instead, He gave me Christ. But then God had mercy on me. Captain Loser Man. You know what I'm saying? Who gets the glory? Who always gets the glory for your salvation, for you living for Jesus? 2 Peter 2.24 He Himself... Jesus bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. 
by his wounds you have been healed. And that's a spiritual healed. 1 Peter 2.25 For you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Almost done. Hang in there. Almost done. And Andrew declares to the world, Fear God and give Him glory. Revelations 14, 6 and 7. Then I saw another angel flying directly overhead with an eternal gospel to proclaim to those who dwell on earth, to every nation and tribe and language and people. And he said with a loud voice, Fear God and give Him glory, because the hour of His judgment has come. And worship Him who made heaven and earth, the sea and the springs of water. Declaring to give God the glory. Here's a beefy one. I'll highlight verse 8 for you from John 15. But this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. In the context, again, uh, Jesus is talking to His disciples But in this verse, by this my Father is glorified. See, that's the goal, that you bear much fruit and prove to be His disciples. I'm trying to speed things up. That's why I didn't eat all that verse for you. Um, Now, here's Jesus in the upper room. He's just sent Judas off. Who's going to portray Him? And look at Jesus' proclamation in John 13, 31 and 32. When he had gone out, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him at once. There's a lot of hymns in here. Do you know what's missing from this glorification path? You and me, or the word I. This is Jesus glorifying God. God is glorifying Jesus so Jesus can glorify God. All this is staying in the Trinity. There is no glory that is being shared with you or me. Right? And this is Jesus getting ready to be um, captured up in the garden. This is right before the garden experience. He just had his meal with his disciples. Judas is out the door. Satan's indwelled Judas. And this is Jesus's. Proclamation. The glory, the goal is for God. Here is the last slide. Come into the glory of God. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. What do you think? (laughs) Amen. Amen to that. There was so much I didn't talk about, but I gave you the Bible verses. What I gave you here, um, if it's not Protestant churches, if they cannot stand on those five solas, they're off base. Be careful when you're hearing from them or you buy their books or anything like that. Andy Stanley, just this month, says, you know how like... uh, Uh, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Right? Our authority is in Bible, Christ alone, I mean, Scripture alone. He says, 
Don't read the Bible to lost people because that's the weakest part of the link. He defied, denied the authority of Scripture alone. If he ever shows up on your TV, pray for him and move on. Go watch a football game instead. It'll be better than what he has to say. All right? Anyway, everything for the glory of God. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus, for your grace and mercy. Thank you for uh, Jesus Christ alone saving us and informing us through the Scripture alone and by grace and faith alone that God may receive all the glory in our salvation. May these saints be strengthened by these words of truth and uh, the Scripture behind it that uh, we would be confident and know for sure we're going to heaven as you've commanded us to know for sure. In Jesus' holy name, amen. There's some food for thought. Please visit thespeakindeacon.com and get connected to the growing number of social media Christians. Thespeakindeacon.com. Truth is here.